morning, guys. This is Bastards of Art. Jonathan here, uh, along with... Matt Hodell. <laughs> Matt here, checking in. Uh, we have our coffee, and I feel like right now that's the only thing keeping me awake and alive. I, 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 I'm stuck on Folgers. I don't know why... Um, I can't drink the fancy coffee because because it makes me feel like I'm on on drugs. Okay, then I'm going to I'm going to pull the douche card and I I actually have my scale, my french press, my burr grinder. I'm this short of like taking the temperature of my boiled water. You need a, you need a burrow. <laughs> <laughs> you and Juan need to go pick your own beans. I don't. I don't know what it is. Like, uh, my dad drinks. At, what is it? After eight, coffee. I have no idea. But no, I. I. I enjoy my coffee, and the thing that I've realized is, unless I'm, unless I buy a Keurig for at home, then if I want a nice, consistent cup of coffee, then there's certain steps I have to take, and I measure my beans. I think it's more the experience for you. For me, I just need some goddamn coffee. Fair enough. (laughs) Don't complicate ham sandwiches in my house, damn it. Anyway, geez louise. So uh, this morning, um, we are talking about how, how do you go from the mentality of hobby and you're turning it into your career? I think the, the, the quote that comes to mind is Henry Miller, the author, once said, Son, one day you have to choose what is a hobby and what is a career. And what I got out of that quote was, you know, there's plenty of people in life that are in imaginary bands that, you know, watched MTV and picture themselves one day. Mm-hmm. And then there's that sad truth that they're 55 years old playing in dive bars and they never concentrated on what maybe could have been a career other places. And they're, it just didn't work. Right. But for those that are lucky enough to turn what was a lifelong passion into a career. How do you how do you go from the kid sitting on the couch watching like the MTV behind the music or the VH1 behind the music to the person standing on the stage? Yeah, or what happens when you actually get it? Mm-hmm. You know, when when I think I think sometimes reality can hit us like a wet blanket and everything that we thought the the day I remember I remember one time I was tattooing uh, and it was in my first year and uh, the guy I was working for his name was Brad and he he was all upset about with the customer and I said Brad why are you upset you've got the greatest job in the world and he mocked me for like a day <laughs> oh you got the greatest job in the world and then he started calling me I'm all american Matt I got the greatest job in the world. And then for like five more years, I had the nickname All-American Matt Hodel. Oh, man. From that one comment. <laughs> but, you know, you're right. It's I think there is this like freshness and this green feeling. I think every career has or every move you do has like this. Like, this is what it's going to be like. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And I'm going to be this. But the, the, the interesting thing, too, is like we, we have the ability that we've both come at this from very different angles. It, in my perception, as far as like the come at this, come at what? Come at, we, we've come at tattooing from very different angles. Like the um, that whole mentality of like, okay, we're we're gonna we both really like drawing. We we both really like the aspect of art, and then like how do, how do we jump into this pool that we call tattooing? Because for me, like the appeal to tattooing was I I suddenly had something in front of me that allowed me to do art and make money at the same time whereas up until that point 
there was a fine artist which just felt completely untouchable and then there was a graphic designer which just felt like i was sitting in a cubicle staring at a monitor and but then tattooing comes along and there's like this huge romantic feel around it like there was the really awesome feel-good aspect there was the rebellious aspect but then there was the reality of like i can actually make money doing this and for me that was that was such a a cool melding of everything that just that's what sparked with me and so it was like how do i make this possible and going down this road of okay you got an apprenticeship that's the way you should do it and then there's if you don't have an apprenticeship, you got to teach yourself. And that is, it's like, okay, you're looking at a candy store versus a scary forest. Which one are you going to go to? And so I tried going to the candy store first and kept having the door closed in my face. And it was just this, I'm the kind of person that if too many doors get closed in my face, I'm eventually going to walk away. And instead of, and this was so... I was so drawn to this that I didn't want to walk away. And after so many doors were closed in my face, I decided like, all right, this glittery candy shop is not looking very good anymore. I'm going to go check that forest out. And there's always right and wrong way. I, I went down this path of listening to interviews of very old school tattooers talking about you do an apprenticeship or like we're gonna break your hands you know we found all these scratchers for the longest time i felt like i was a scratcher coming off of the bat even though everybody was telling me like no you're doing a really good job i i never believed in myself because i listened too much to the wrong kinds of people even though my two big heroes at that time, I knew we're self-taught. So I knew it was possible. And I knew that you could get to a particular... Who are your heroes? Shige and Jeff Gogway. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that I knew. Shige didn't come up in a house. He taught himself how to tattoo. And I knew Jeff taught himself because he's got some crazy stories of doing tattoos and then taking that person to a shop to get it fixed and then like just reaming him. And Well, I think that's the... That's kind of what we were talking about this morning was the difference between what you think it's going to be and then finally getting behind the, 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 the golden gates. Yeah. You know, ignore the man behind the curtain, right. you know. So, well, cause I, I, but I, I was, didn't have that experience. I, I, I was lucky enough that in my days of tattooing, when I started, it was um, apprentice or die. Right. I don't know if that was lucky enough. But there wasn't any information out there to teach myself. I mean, there was no internet to buy the equipment and stuff. I mean, and the two people I knew that were teaching themselves, because I I was so young, I didn't know that there was a hierarchy of, like, who is good in tattooing and who's not. Mm -hmm. Um, I just kept pestering shops until I got... So my my entry into tattooing, I kind of got behind the Golden Gates right away. And immediately, I... I didn't realize what I'd walked into because I didn't think of it as a career. I just thought of it as something that I knew I was unhappy with the tattooing experiences that I'd gotten. Sure. And I thought it could be cooler. Mm. And I thought tattooing should be fun. And I thought tattoo shops were a great place to hang out. And for me, it was like a way to stay a kid forever. Right. That's that's what I remember when I finally got my apprenticeship. I remember thinking I was driving home and I was like, 
I remember thinking, I never have to grow up, which is a far cry from what actually ended up happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, because you, there's all these other aspects of like, like when when reality hits, when you you've you've come to this realization that, um, okay, now now I'm beyond this hobby part. Now now I have to figure out like I'm gonna make this my my job and ultimately my career, like that that switch from the whole romantic. Oh, I'm gonna wake up and I'm gonna draw roses uh, for this week, you know, and have fun with it, you know, and maybe I'll. I can remember. I can remember saying to myself, "I'm never tattooing Tasmanian devils. Those are <laughs> stupid tattoos. I'm only gonna do tattoos that are." How many have you done? Yeah, you know, well, that's the thing is that you're right. It, it does like reality hits and it. It's 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 not a hobby. Mm-hmm. You. To be the best at what you're doing, you have to put structure to it. You have to put discipline to it. And a lot of times that comes with responsibility, a whole lot of responsibility. And that's the, the hard thing for me was I, I was starting off, I was teaching myself how to tattoo. And it was kind of like, I was, so I was, ta- I was only tattooed people I knew or was within one hop. When you were of, going through your scary forest phase. Yeah, my scary forest phase, essentially. And so it was that whole like, okay, I'm going to do a tattoo for you, but I'm going to take three months to think about it and do a drawing it's and be like perfect. work it around. Yeah, it's got to be we're this not gonna masterpiece. Do, we're not going to do any tattooing that's not, you know, where we're pulling out every aspect of the meaning right. and the, the imagery. And it's going to be yours. You know, meanwhile, you don't know your head from your fucking ass. Right. <laughs> but, and what I realized now back then was um, I didn't have the the commitment is what was lacking and it, it plays through because like okay you're gonna you're gonna commit to doing this tattoo for this person <clears throat> you're gonna commit to a day that you're gonna do this tattoo for this person and then once all that's lined up then you're gonna commit to actually applying the tattoo and so this the realization of like commitment was such this big thing like I it's kind of like this light bulb's gone off in my head now that if you're gonna do good line work, it's all about commitment. If you're gonna do good shading, it's all about commitment. There was a you gotta have confidence in yourself, and if that's not in place, then you're gonna take four months to do a drawing, and you're gonna be like, okay, I think it's good now. Like, let's do this tattoo. I, I think I'm ready. You've brought up two two well, really the difference between a hobby and a career is commitment. Yeah. A hobby is something you can put on the back burner from time to time. You know. And then you got to concentrate on real world situations. Then you can visit your hobby. Well, that's why hobbyists stay at an amateur level. Right. Once you get into a career field, it's filled with deadlines and responsibilities and structure and that commitment. I think that's the, the freshwater meeting the saltwater. When you take an artist who's free spirited and then you're forcing them to have something done by Friday or by Monday or by two o'clock, yeah. those hit us hard. And, and I think sometimes that initially for me, it kind of sucked out what I thought was going to be the fun part of drawing pictures for a living. Hmm. Yeah. And when I got the opportunity to like get my foot in the door and start tattooing in New York, it, where at? Dan, Dan saw something in me because it's kind of like that quintessential, like, New York moment. Like I was 
working tech at a computer store and I was helping him with his computer. He had a bunch of tattoos on there and we just started down this conversation. He invited me out to his shop and at, at the end of it, he was like, if you need a spot to work, just come work here. I was like, oh shit. And then this whole like few month progression of me being like, did he mean it? Should I do it? Should I take him up on it? And like, you, you waited months to take him up on it? I I think it was like two two months before I actually got enough balls to go out there. The and commitment part. The commitment <laughs> part. And well like Well then my, it's real. I mean you can you can screw around with a hobby forever, but once you're actually Yeah. It's like okay, now 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 there's a front door. Now there's a f- phone number. You know, like this is real. And um yeah, so the the difference though was it was a custom shop, and um, so there it, it was the hard thing for me. Um, that was the next step for me to figure out like, okay, now my foot's in the door. Now I'm actually doing tattoos. I'm under somebody that really knows what the hell they're doing. They're very well connected, um, but not very well known for reasons of their own making, and that's the way they want it. But it, it wasn't the kind of situation where it was like, okay, um, people are walking in every day, so you got something to do. I had to make my workload, I had to make my workflow, and it took me a lot longer to get to where I needed to be. Um, but so I didn't have that. Like that's again where we differ. I was, you know, as some as some of the cynical people in our industry have said, you know, belly up to the trough, you know the. We've we've got all these people for you to tattoo now. Get over there, son, and right. tattoo some people, you know. And uh, it, so for me, I kind of got. There's pros and cons. I think. I mean, I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to not have the strengths of the technique and the the um, craftsmanship, and then still have to find people that wanted to get tattooed by me. I mean, I I got to experiment every day. If I did twenty. 20 panthers in a week right you know tail goes left tail goes right it's fuzzy it's furry it's not furry it's slick it's blue i did the same panther 30 different ways Mm -hmm. and so i was able to you got to play around with the idea but what i didn't get to do is i didn't get to vary up my uh, palette i didn't get to go here's what i really want to concentrate on which i think your path got you it got me to it got me to the custom level right off the bat and it, it got me under somebody that understood how to tailor something to somebody's body, how to make the subject matter work. The big thing that it got me was how do you look at reference correctly and how do you use it? Well, how did that deal with with your time versus mine? My time was there's five people that need to get tattooed today. You're not getting a lunch. With you, what did... What was the reality of your work work schedule like? It, it felt like I was wasting time because, it, like, I would come in and right off the bat I'm like, okay, I'm the new guy here, so I need to be the one that makes sure the shop's clean. I just took that on myself. It's like, okay, well, I got to figure out like, I'm gonna clean the toilet, make sure that it's taken care of, the bathroom's nice and clean, everything's swept up, looks good, and then okay, now what do I do? There was no structure. It was like, I'm going to watch Dan tattoo. So how did you find people to get tattooed? It, it was friends of mine that I was pulling in. or Because I was only at the shop one day a week because I was still working at the computer place. Um, 
I, uh, it, so it was people that I was friends with or if they would come in. So you had an overlapping bridger before it became 100%. Yeah, I had, I had a bridge. Dan would funnel things to me um, that he figured I could take care of. Um, but it wasn't until I had my kid that I was like, okay, I've got a sabbatical at work. I'm going to take two weeks off to just do my family, and then I'm going to treat it like I'm tattooing full-time. So I'm going to book myself out for so many days a week. And the crazy thing is they their workflow was not like, oh, I'm going to work four or five days a week. They worked six or seven days a week all the time just because that's the way they tattooed. Um, and that's a big thing in New York too, I think, I, or just a cultural thing. No, but, I think it's New York. I think the problem with New York is if you're not working, you don't have a place to sleep. Or you're not eating. Right? <laughs> yeah. um, so, so once once I had my kid, I jumped into it with both feet, and I was like, okay, I've got this break. I've got money coming in, so the pressure is quote unquote off to a certain extent. But I, I need to figure out can I make this viable? And that's where is it a hobby or is it a career? Is it a hobby? Thing? Is it a career? And it. I thought it worked out. I was kind of kidding myself because <laughs> New York's a very hard place to come up in tattooing if you don't have family there and you're established and you've got like a cheap place yeah, to roots. stay. Yeah. You need some. You need some type of structure. That's what I have in St. Louis. I tattoo people I went to grade school with, people I went to church with, people that I played Little League with, and then I got my brothers and sisters who brother and sister who have their friends who get tattooed. You know, mm-hmm. all that fills in the gaps. Yeah. Of my schedule, you know? Yeah. If you don't have that, it's it is very tough. Yeah, it was challenging. But I I made the switch. Like I went back to work and I was still just tattooing one day a week. Um got really fed up. I was like, I'm gonna go work for myself. I'm just gonna make tattooing work and so I I cut off the other job and went into tattooing full And that's when it becomes real. That's when it became real. Because it was like, Well, how much money did you make today? It was like, I didn't make anything because nothing walked in the door. And the, the reality of like, okay, how do, I, how do I make this work? How do I hustle myself? How do I put myself out there? Like calling friends, building on the clientele on top of myself. And now we're not even talking about drawing pretty pictures anymore. I know. The, the reality sunk in. It's like I, the reality of I've got to pay bills. I've got to eat. I've got a family at home. Like what, what does that actually look like? And it does. It's like, okay, well, now I don't, I need to forget about, like, how do I feel about this? How do I want to approach this? Like, I just need to get this done. Like, I, I've got to make sure that there's a drawing ready for the appointment time. Um, and I, I need to not just be dicking around with a drawing. I, I wasted so much time being not committing to certain things or trying to figure other things out. It's just a, Instead of just being like, this is, this is going to work. I just need to do this. And then the next time, I'll take the lessons from this one and apply it to the next yeah, one. Yeah, you're lear- it's, kind of, it's on-the-job training yeah. is what ends up happening in the beginning. And I think that was the same with me. Is It's just like, you don't have time to make it perfect, and you just need to get in there. And it keeps going with this underlying theme of commitment. You have to commit to the drawing's done. Yeah. I've got to tattoo it, yeah. you know. I'm tattooing it. I've got to finish it. You know, that's one of the weirdest things about about tattooing that's hard to wrap your mind around is you don't get to stand up and walk away and think about 
if your color schemes are working or if you should add something to it. Mm-hmm. Once you start, you've got to see it through. You've got to finish it, right or wrong. Yeah. Um, and so that, I think, is is what makes the difference, again, between it, you're in career mode now. Right. And you're, and you're, you're you almost start wondering, am I sacrificing quality um, for the bottom line? Mm-hmm. And, and I think everyone goes through this and you have to get to the point where you find, and this word keeps coming up, balance. You have to, one day you have the balls to finally say, you know what, give me one more day. You know, and I, I think I tattooed for 10 years of hitting the deadlines no matter what until one day I was like, you know, I'm just going to give this one more day. So I drew up to a certain point and I, the person showed up and we went over the drawing and I just said, you know, this isn't it. In my heart, this isn't it. Right. Give me one more day. What ended up happening was I ended up adjusting my workflow so that I could hit those deadlines again. And mm. I structured my life differently. Differently, But the problem was in, the, in those early days, the passion it took to learn this craft took all my attention. And so balancing a family, balancing you know relationships, balancing anything that wasn't in these four walls, oh, yeah. it just went to shit. Well, it's, it's all consuming, that's the thing, because it's so easy to get focused in on projects Maybe it's the kind of people that we are that draws us to this in the first place, but it's so easy to get focused in on a project and like blinder yourself to everything else that's around you. It's like it's obsessive. It is totally, and I've I've struggled with it too. Like I've let a lot of things go by the wayside and haven't committed to other aspects of my life, such as family, in the way that I needed to. Um, just to try and figure this out and pursue it and make it work. And, um, yeah, it, it, it's figuring out, like, wh- where's that switch? Like, where, where are you going to make the switch between business mode and home mode and finding the balance between the two that's going to give you enough time to do your business and do it well in order to support the family, but then also a lot enough appropriate time for your family what would you say is the time it takes from once you make the commitment to actually learning the craft to um, getting to the point where you can go, okay, I don't need to put 100% into this every single day. I can take a break. I, For me, I, I think it was like 10 years. Mm. That was the scary part. I think if you would have told me in the beginning, this is going to be your life for. Everything you do is you're gonna live and breathe this. Every vacation you're gonna you take is right. gonna be something about tattooing. Every purchase you make is gonna be something about tattooing. Every relationship you build is gonna be inside this industry. Right. I think it took me ten years before I could actually like, I I, I started skydiving, and that was a whole nother community. Mm. And I was like, oh, I can, I finally feel comfortable enough that I don't <laughs> have to give a hundred percent every waking moment. You know, right. what, what do you think the number is? I, I think I'm still finding the right balance between the two, but I mean, ten, ten years is always like the like this glory mark that seems to happen. Um, but it, it's it's very different for me too because I, I'm coming at it from a, a different angle where I had to go out and find the the machine to be a part of in order to build up the skill set and the repetition and the, the workflow and all that and like how do I how do I build up 
this uh, this confidence in myself, I feel like I'm still figuring that out. Like I, I'm at the point now where I'm able to slow down my workflow and focus more. Workflow or workload? Workflow and workload, mm-hmm. both of them. And really hone in on each project with the skill set behind me now, which I was like in a slow workflow work mode in the beginning, but I didn't have the skill set. I had to go out and get the skill set and then come back in. So what do you think the stages are of going from hobby to career to balance or close to balance? Mm. I I would say that the beginning is, is at first you have a passion. Right. And you, and I don't think you'd be brought behind the golden gates if you knew all the evils <laughs> that that came along with it, the good and the bad. Right, right. You know, that's that's what high risk is. You take the good with the bad. You yeah. know, and that, and that, committing is that high risk. You mm-hmm. know. So once you get behind the golden gates, you're like, I'm in here. Um, I think the second part is just getting your bearings and going. Okay, if I'm going to run with these guys, I've got to know these skills. I've got to be at a certain level. Yeah. You know. Then I think once you get the skills, then there's almost this financial management, administrative work that you have to tackle that no one really discusses. That, that's the biggest stumbling block that like, and that's a whole nother discussion that we should probably hit on. But like that, that is in the end, the make or break. Like if it doesn't matter how fancy to do and how good you are with what you're doing as far as your craft, if you can't sit down and manage your money, properly in a good way then it's bust you know like if you can't do what you're doing and then be able to eat it and that's part of again hobby or career yeah so you made this career you still have to pay bills you money will become a byproduct but when you get that byproduct you better save some of it oh totally (laughs) and like i guess going back to what the question that you asked me originally is like that's that's kind of the ballpark i'm in now it's like all right this is the make or break like i i've got to figure out where my foundation is and repair some of the parts that are falling apart and in order to build up from that point. Because at that point, like once you're set up and you're stable in that regards, then you can really just take off and figure out like, okay, now the next step is I've got my foundation. I I know I'm in a good spot. I I know how to manage my money. If things get a little bit of tight, this is what I'm gonna do. Um, But now I get to focus on widening myself out making myself taller and i think that's the that's the question that has you have to constantly ask yourself what is the next step right once you start down this path of turning your hobby into a career you have to ask yourself constantly what is the next step and the farther you get down the your 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 career path those answers don't become any easier because they're just as scary as do I quit my day job and do this full time? And then do I stop sitting in a street shop and go to custom only? Mm. Do I stop um, just taking every image that comes in and only concentrate on this type of imagery, like Japanese work or whatever it may be? And each time you make that step, um, it's just as scary as the first day that you decided this is gonna be what I do for the rest of my life. Yeah, it's terrifying. I think that within the industry nowadays that it's so flooded, what ends up happening is 
you create a whole nother career path for yourself in order to maintain mm. the um, goals that you set or whatever goals you set were in the beginning. And eventually you have to go, well, we're all doing this, but how do I become more of a professional at it? Right. And you create more skill sets and more skill sets. Drawing becomes, is, you can almost tap back into the passion of drawing and then concentrate your effort into um, the administrative part of it. That's what I feel like. Right. So yeah, I, coming into it with the passion that you have in the very beginning of your hobby, like you, you have this undying love for what you're shooting for, getting hit with what the reality of that situation looks like, and taking those lessons when reality hits you in the face and shoring yourself up and making sure that you've got the right kind of foundation underneath you as far as skill set, a financial means, and then using that as a leapfrog to kind of project yourself into a particular direction that you want to go to, but with the understanding that you're never going to stop learning, you're never going to stop developing in what path you've set down on it's and it could be something completely different another 10 years from then but that's okay but you've got to the re where where they say the rubber meets the road Mm -hmm. like that's that's your proving ground like if you can if you can get over that hump and be honest with yourself when when that hits like am i over the hump or do i still have work ahead of me and then from there being able to move on to the next step where you're developing you're you're you feel confident in yourself in order to really mold your career when you get to the point in your career where you can start calling some more of the shots yeah that's the goal yeah this is the bastards of art podcast we thank you for listening you can find us on itunes find us on stitcher find us on soundcloud And our website, www.bastardsart.com. Please do us a favor. Go to the iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a comment. Tell us how we're doing. Leave us a review so we can improve it. And uh, catch us next Monday. Thanks, guys.